And now, coming at you from the Five Star Physique Studio in Knoxville, Tennessee, this is The Drop Set with your host, Darren Starr. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 216 or so of The Drop Set. I am Darren Starr, your host. A public service announcement right out of the gate. I'm just crossing my fingers and hoping I can touch base with two people who tried to contact me through my website and did not give me a valid email address to respond to. So if that is you and you are a Eugene or an Elizabeth, reach out to me. Um, You can, uh, boy, what's probably the best way to do this? Email me, Darren, D-A-R-I-N, at 5star with 2 rsfitnesscom or just submit a contact request through the website again. Double check your email address so that I have a way to respond to you there. So um, by the time this goes live, I will have updated that um, contact form um, with a field that makes you type your in your, type in your email address again, and also um, you'll provide a phone number so that if the email doesn't work, I have a way to contact you through text. Um, and then if I really really get my act together, I might install a captcha uh, as well, so, uh, because right now about eighty percent of the uh, form entries that I get are Russian bots who want me to either um, pay for webcam sex or buy Viagra. So. Um, and it really makes me wonder, like, do they get a lot of business doing that? Like, I'm just going to randomly find a web form on a site that's trying to get business and I'm going to, I'm going to sell Viagra to them just aggressively and shove it down their face and give them links that are clearly like, you know, from Russian websites to click on and see who will click on that and buy something from me. Does that actually work? I think it has to. Because otherwise they wouldn't do it, right? I mean, it's kind of like, you know, you look at, um, uh, well, I think of the insurance industry, and I'm thinking of Progressive and Geico specifically, who have just the most annoying advertising campaigns in the history of mankind, but yet they just keep hammering it harder and harder and harder. Clearly, it must work for them, right? They must have some kind of metrics. I mean, they're, 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 their marketing firm is able to represent in some way that this is doing them good business. I don't know. Anyway, um, it's got to work at some point, I guess. I don't know. It's funny because um, the uh, let, me, let me just pull it up right here on my site. So I go to form submissions, contact form. Um, oh, here's a new one. Here's a new one. So, um, yeah, so... <laughs> Let me just spell it out for you here. So what I see here is name, email address, and then there's a a, a question for how you found me. And what I know is they they always make up names, and I'm starting to see the same name show up over and over and over again. It's like they're bots. The same bot comes back around to me every now and then and hits me again. Um, So this is a new one. The name is Ivy Tab F, all one word. Ivy Tab capital F. Um, but here's the thing. So with these bots, and I know they're all run by like the same organization, the same person or persons managing them, because every one of them, the how you found me is always the same as the name, but with the capital letters at the end removed. So how you found me, Ivy tab. And I just know delete. I don't even have to look at anything else. I know that's fake. Um, it's funny because oftentimes there'll be like, you know, two letters at the end of a name, like, you know, what, one of the names that always shows up, this fake name that always shows up is Charlie Atori. Um, and so it's always, uh, you know, it shows up as Charlie Atori GW. How you found me? Charlie Atori. It's like, oh God. So I click on this. Let's see what they're trying to uh, sell me here. Let's just view the full form entry here. 
Ah, Cialis, 20 milligrams, best price. Buy Zoloft, Zovarax, Cream, Sildenafil, Citrate, 50 milligrams tabs. Buy Albuterol online without prescription. And uh, the funny thing is, that's it. There's not even a link. <laughs> so I feel like I should respond back like, how can I buy this? You know, you didn't give me a link to buy from. Where's your online store? Oh, God. Okay, so I also don't want this shit mucking up my uh, my history here, so I have to delete these entries. So, yeah, I may install a CAPTCHA on the forum just to, I mean, will it work? I don't know. I can pray to God and hope it does because um, I'm sick of this. Um, so it's 8.19 a.m. on Friday. Uh, I got kind of a busy day lined up, so I wanted to record this or at least start recording a little bit early um, and then uh, go go do some stuff, go hit a lift, come back. I've already done a, a, most of my client updates for today, actually. Kind of feel pretty good about that. Um, uh, and I'm sitting here, so 8.19, and I just heard some thunder rumbling outside. And, man, I got so excited because I'm like, oh. If it rains, I'm not going to go have to go out and water the grass. This is so awesome. So I'm looking, 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 uh, like pulling up the weather app. I'm like 45% chance of rain. You know, in, in Tennessee, you know, in East Tennessee specifically, those thunder, you know, you hear thunder, it doesn't necessarily mean anything. <laughs> we, we could have just blazing hot sun in 45 minutes with not a drop of rain and it could be like that all day and you're like well i guess it's not gonna rain the forecast shows no rain and then all of a sudden boom it just dumps buckets so i feel like i should probably just go out and do it and with my luck i'll be in there and i'll be watering the yard and it'll be 80 percent done and then it'll start raining so um it's pretty much uh, pretty much how it goes. So what I've got here, so this is going to turn into the, the Five Star Physique, the Bodybuilding and Lawn Care podcast. So humor me here. Um, what what I'm what I've done here is I, th- I sprinkle out some grass seed, and I'm trying to overseed right now. And I know you're supposed to wait until fall for that, but I feel pretty confident in my ability to keep it alive and growing through the summer. You just have to you know give it enough water so it doesn't dry out and die. I think I can do that. And also the backyard is pretty well shaded. So what sun it gets will be appreciated. If I can just keep it wet, um, it'll be fine. What I've noticed though, is I, I, I sprinkle out the seed and I have a little hand spreader that I use for that. And, um, I'm being fairly generous with it. And right now, you know, it, it's coming up pretty well, but there's just, you know, if you stand back and you look at it from like a low angle, you're like, Hey, that's a pretty good looking yard. And then you go upstairs and look at the backyard and like, wow, that was deceptive because it looks like shit. There's patchy spots all over the place where there isn't even like dead grass. There's just dirt. Um, but it, it's it's coming in. It's starting to come in. The problem is the last time I put out um, seed with the spreader, uh, there was a big rain that came a couple days after that and kind of washed a lot of it away. So I've got a new strategy in place because I'm going to do it again. I'm going to overseed again this weekend. Um, and what I'm going to do is uh, give the give everything a thorough watering beforehand so the ground is just saturated. And then I'm going to go back with the spreader and I'm going to hit all the spots that I need to hit. And then I'm going to go over it with a little bit of topsoil and just hand sprinkle it on, uh, hand sprinkle it there to keep it from washing away. Now I think... That will do the trick. And I got this because we have Bermuda grass out front. Nobody knew when they were signing up for this podcast today that they are going to be hearing all about my yard. But you know what? I'm kind of sorry. But also, I don't really have any friends, so I don't have anybody else to talk to this about. So <laughs> how pathetic is that? So you all have to hear it here. So I have Bermuda grass out front, which is a little more, you know, drought resistance. It comes in a little bit later. Um, it's hard to find. Um, so I found a one pound bag of seed for that, which was like $10. And just, you know, um, we've got a few patchy spots out there, but it said, you know, what you should do is, you know, aggressively rake the ground 
down to about an inch deep and then put the seed in and then put the dirt that you've raked back over top of it. I'm like, oh, that's kind of smart because, you know, the, the seed doesn't necessarily need light so much as it needs water and it needs nutrients from the soil. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. That, so I'm, I'm kind of adopting that theory, but instead of raking it up out back because I would end up killing a lot of good grass if I did that, even with a little hand rake, which is what I did out front, um, I'm just going to sprinkle some topsoil out over top of it. But I want to get the ground saturated saturated first because in, in many spots, it's just so dried out and cracking. It's not doing that now just because I've been watering it very aggressively multiple times a day. Um, but still, it's it's hard ground, um, so it, it's going to be difficult. The, the seeds need more time to be stable to be able to penetrate into the ground. So if I put the topsoil um, over top of it, it'll help with that. So that's my strategy. So there you go. So we've had a public service announcement. We've had me ramble on about Russian bots trying to sell me dick pills. And uh, we've talked about my yard. So there's the episode for the day. Um, I appreciate you all listening. But clearly, um, we've, we've gone over all of the important uh, agenda items for the day. So yeah. Um, now, I had a couple things that I want to talk about, actually. Um, <laughs> surprise, surprise. There are times when I come on here and I don't have anything specific I want to talk about, and I always think that those are just the best episodes ever. Not. Um, a couple things. So um, I wanted to talk about logging workouts and specifically like what proper logs look like. Now, I've talked about this before. I have posted and blogged about this before. Um, if you go to, let me step you through it right now. So um, just for sake of convenience, we're going to go to thedropset.com, which is, uh, it, I mean, let's be clear, it's fivestarphysique.com, but there's a page on there that's for the podcast. So if you go to thedropset.com, it's a shortcut to get there. Um, and then you go over to blog, and there's a submenu under there, and then you say training. So we click on that, and that's going to pull up all of my training-related blogs. And then there's a few of my latest form fixes. i got to get back on that train. And then uh, it's like the fifth post down, workout logging, my secret to force progressive overload. So that is the blog post you want. So you can actually see what mine look like and how I do it, and basically the format, not so much the numbers. I mean, if you want a good laugh, yeah, you can check that out. Um, not, not so much the numbers, but the format of it. So the idea being... What I like doing is sticking with a, a set of exercises, the workout split, for about four weeks. Um, and currently, I'm on much longer than that. You know, we had, uh, uh, I went with my coach, and we had a minimal change in training a couple weeks ago. But I'm really approaching, like, you know, about 10 weeks hitting the same general split with a few changes in rep scheme, a few exercises subbed in and out there. But a lot of the main power movements, like for... Um, for legs, I've got one day where I'm hitting a hack squat or a belt squat. I've got another day where I'm hitting a reverse machine squat. And I've been hammering those for now about 10, 11 weeks. Um, and it feels, I mean, it's its getting fairly devastating at this point, um, which is good. Um, and it's a, a clear indication like, yeah, I was selling myself short with my previous efforts. So, um, But unless you log things, you aren't going to know that. And you, you can really put yourself in a position where you can force yourself to do things that you hadn't done before and that you're really uncomfortable with, which is great because that is where growth really kind of happens. Um, so a, a few things here, and th this is based on logs that I've seen from clients and just in talking with people at the gym as well, because I, I see people who will log their workouts and I'll go and talk to them about it a little bit just because I'm naturally curious about what they're tracking. Um, and, uh, a few a few things that I think are common pitfalls here. The first one is using an app to do it. 
don't, don't, don't. I have not found a, an app that is sufficient for logging workouts and tracking all the variables that I want to track. Um, it's, uh, it's not sufficient. It's not efficient. <laughs> um, you know, because even if there was something that's, it's just too much clicking around versus just, Hey, here's a pen on paper and I'm making notes and I'm writing stuff. You remember how that worked way back in the day, how we had to do that. Um, and also you're pulling your phone out. And every time you do, even if you're just pulling it up to enter a, a number in your log, you're pulling it out after every single set in that case, um, which it's just an, another opportunity for distraction, which is no good. No bueno. There, there are too many of those opportunities in the gym as it is. TVs, people talking to you, hot chick, hot guy walks by, etc. You don't need any more distractions. Um, you already pull out your phone to like skip a song or pull up a new playlist. That's plenty. You don't need to pull it out for every set mandatory to write something in a, in a logging app. So hard, hard, uh, uh, <laughs> I was going to say hardbound, but no, it doesn't have to be a hardbound book. It can be if you're pretty, uh, if you're, if you're, if you're really into it, uh, like a leather bound log book. Yes. Collector's edition log book. Um, but uh, just a spiral bound something with, you know, uh, pen is, uh, I, I prefer pen. Um, but that's just speaking, well, you could use pencil if you want, I guess. If we're going to debate the finer points of logging, we'll save it for the, the follow-up update segment as far as whether or not pen or pencil is best for that. So <laughs> I, I don't have a strong opinion on that. Um, so uh, the idea being I format it in such a way, and if you look here, um, I format it in such a way that I can get four weeks worth of numbers all on the same page for a given workout. So if I'm doing chest and my first movement is an incline machine press, I'm logging all those numbers. I come back the next week and then, hey, guess what? I uh, I can see all the numbers that I did the previous week right there. And then boom, there we go. So one of the common mistakes that I see from people, and I've seen this on logs before, is there'll be an exercise and it says wide grip pull down, four sets of 12. And there's a number there and it says 120. And that's it for the week. I'm like, no, no. So progressive overload is a short-term thing as well as a long-term thing. Short-term meaning every set, that weight is going up uh, if, if you can. And he, spoiler alert, you can. Um, you can always push it. You're never opening up with your, you know, in this, in this case, you're never opening up with your 12 rep max and hitting it perfectly. You know, even if you're just adding two and a half, five pounds, that's an increase. And, you know, on smaller exercises like, you know, lateral raises, you know, a two and a half pound increase is significant. Um, especially if, you know, you're, you're, uh, you don't have particularly strong shoulders. Let's say you can, you know, get sets of 10 with, you know, 10 or 15 pound dumbbells. Um, that's fine. But man, if you can, if you can graduate then to 12 and a half or 17 and a half pound dumbbells, um, awesome, all the better. And it really helps if your gym has those two and a half pound increment dumbbells uh, for those lower weights. Um, now for something like, uh, you know, a squat, um, let's say you're doing, you know, you're repping out 185 or something like that for, you know, eight, 10 reps, something like that. Uh, I guarantee if you put 195 on that bar, your body will not know the difference. Um, now if, if you're like barely eking out your one rep max, that's another story. Um, but if you're, if you're getting eight to 10 solid reps at a weight, you can throw five, 10, 15, 20 more pounds on there and still, you know, find a way, you know, buck up, get it done. And, and you can, you can move that weight. You can. So, um, force that progression set to set. And then what you'll then have established are if you're doing four sets of an exercise, you'll have four numbers, hopefully. Um, and you know, some of those numbers might be the same. Like, um, I'm looking at, um, the, the screen grab of, uh, of my, um, 
logbook that I used for the graphic for this blog post that I'm talking about. And uh, one of the things I can see here is wide grip pull down. Um, it says two sets of 12 to 15, one set of 10, one set of eight. That's the target. So for my two sets of 12 to 15, I did each of those at 140 pounds. And I noted 15 reps up in small script above that because, hey, the range is 12 to 10. So, you know, I, I need to know how many I got because if I get 15 reps versus if I get 12, that's going to tell me different things. So what I can see right off the bat here is, uh, you know, if, if I'm given a rep target, and I hit the upper end of that rep range, like 12 to 15, and I hit 15, my mistake then is on the next set, I did the same weight. No, I should have gone up. I hit the upper end of the rep target. As long as I'm coming close to the lower end of the rep target, that's still a success. So if you can have a success with your set, you should force yourself to increase. And so then the next one I, uh, I did, and I went up to um, 160 for 10, and then 180 for the final set of eight. Now, here's the funny thing now. Um, so currently, th this was a while back. This, this post was from November 2018. So first of all, I was in prep during that. Um, and it was, you know, six, seven months ago right now. So, um, there's been some progression since then for sure. Cause currently my final set here was 180 for eight right now in one of my back workouts, I'm doing wide grip pull down sets of 12 and 180 is my last warm up set. Um, and then I'll come in about 190 or 200 for my first opening working set of 12, as opposed to finishing my last working set at eight reps for 180. So, um, over time, that's the kind of thing that you want to see. Over seven months, 12 months, a year and a half. If you can make that happen, that's what matters. And the way you get there is by taking really little bites here and there. Five pounds, two and a half pounds. Sky's getting darker outside. It's going to rain. I can feel it. Yes. Come on. Come on. Mm. Bring it. Bring it. I'm excited. Okay. <laughs> Ooh, boy. Um, so yeah, logging. Um, what else did I want to say about this? So you should not be writing one number for an exercise, um, one number per set. And if it happens to be the same number going from like set three to set four, that's fine. Write it twice. Make a note of how many reps you're hitting. I will throw in targets like if I've got rest pause work built in where, um, okay, I'm doing uh, three sets of 12 and then one set of 24 at the same weight. Take breaks as needed. Keep them to 10, 15 seconds. That's rest pause work. Um, really just kind of forcing, you know, to anything to, to make the muscle just work a little bit harder. Um, what I will write is... Um, how many, you know, what chunks I get those reps in. So instead of writing, you know, 12 up above the, the weight that I use for that set, I'll write in like, you know, 14 slash six slash four. That, that's how I got my 24 reps in a chunk of 14, a chunk of six and a chunk of eight or four. Um, and uh, what, what I notice sometimes, and I've noticed this before is, you know, those rest pause sets and, you know, on, on my, I've got one of those on each of my leg workouts currently. And what I, what I consider that is like, okay, this is the one set of the day where I've got to empty the, I'm going to censor myself, empty the effing tank completely. Um, and so that is what I'm working myself up towards. I've, I've got typically like another set of failure somewhere else, but you know, you can't have every set be failure. If you do, it means you don't know what failure really means. So you've got to pick your spot. So I've got typically about two sets uh, on, in a given workout where I've really got to bring it, especially on those leg days because they got to come up, and they are. Um, so what uh, what I've noticed in doing that, and so currently um, one of my workouts has 
uh, uh, vertical leg press is one of the exercises, and I'll do um, the current scheme is a set of 10, a set of 8, a set of 6, and then a set of 24 rest pause style with something close to the weight from that first set of 10. So you, you might think like, okay, well, you get 10, and then you get 6, and then you get 4, and then you get 3, and then you maybe get one more to make 24. Um, what I've noticed, however, is that going into that rest pause set, that's when I really get the mental game in gear. And I say, okay, this is going to suck. This is why you're here. You get this done. It's the hardest thing you have to do all day. It's all, it's all downhill from here. So if you can get this done and be a champ at it and absolutely just crush it with everything you got, mission accomplished, and then you're going to grow. So what I've found is I, I don't like backing off the weight that much. So when I do 10 reps and then I do 8 and then I do 6, I'm throwing more weight on there with each of those sets. I'm not backing all the way down to the weight that I'll use for 10 reps. I go a little bit more than that. Um, and what I find is that I can go and I can get to about, like yesterday, I got to... 14 or 15 reps before I felt like I was going to die. And I mean, I had my headphones on. It was blasting some Avenged Sevenfold because that's what I need in those times. And uh, I can guarantee it, it was, it was not a quiet thing. I wasn't trying to make a scene, but you can't work hard and be silent. Um, so there was some, some grunting, some you know, forceful exhaling, etc. Um, I wasn't yelling at myself or anything like that. I'm not, I'm not that hardcore. But I made it to about rep 15 before I thought I was going to die. So I took a beat for like two or three seconds, and then I just kept going. And I was able to get, you know, because under rest-pause rules, um, your breaks are somewhere between 10 and 20 seconds. And, I mean, you'll actually rack the weight back up. I didn't. I just pushed the legs back up, took a couple of breaths, and then went back to it. And I was able to get the remaining nine without an additional break. So I logged that as 24 parentheses NB for no break. Um, because it was not a break under rest pause rules. So what does that tell me? If I can get 24 reps without a break, my opening set was 10 reps at a little bit less weight than that. Clearly, that was not as challenging as I thought. Now, all your, all my sets can't be like that one, but it does tell me, okay, my my body and my legs in particular, they're capable of doing more that I'm asking them to do on a regular basis. And when you bring it mentally and you take notes and you write down all those numbers, that's when you realize that and that's when you force yourself to get really, really uncomfortable with some stuff. And the more uncomfortable you are in the gym, the more you have the ability to grow. So I wanted to touch on that. We'll take a little bit of break here. Um, for, <laughs> this, this break will be approximately three seconds long. I might come back in a couple hours. We'll see how it goes. And then we've got a few more topics that I want to touch on. I thought I would throw out the number, though, for calling in. If you want to leave a voicemail, 865-518-2974. Go to thedropset.com. You can click on it right from there also. Um, it is fixed. Um, the voicemail box was full. It is fixed now. It has been tested. It is good to go. And yet, sadly, nobody calls. Wah, wah. Please call. And welcome back um, to me, I guess. You didn't really go anywhere. Um, I've been gone for a few hours. So I went and got in a back workout and some other stuff. And so I'm um, just following up on the logging conversation from earlier. I wanted to compare some numbers um, that I did today versus last week. So a lot of this is going to be, you know, I'm, I'm spouting out a bunch of numbers here. But the idea is 
forcing progression. So last week, um, so I started with a wide grip pull down here, and uh, it's a descending rep scheme. So it's four sets, and it's a set of 12, 10, 8, and 6. So progressively lower reps, which means progressively higher weight. Um, so I did, I did three warm-up sets, so I have seven total numbers here. My warm-ups last week were at 120, 150, and 170. This week, I uh, went ahead and just tacked 10 onto all those. So I did 130, 160, 180 for my warm-up sets. My opener last week at 12 reps was 200. This week, I did 210 um, at 10 reps. Last week, I did 220. I did 225, so a five-pound jump this week. Um, last week, I did... Um, uh, 240 for eight. This week again, I did 240 for eight. So I matched that. So I'm starting out a little bit heavier, but I'm I'm slowly just you know uh, kind of regressing to where I hit last week, which is still progression. So you don't have to progress for every set. I want to whenever I can, but it's not always realistic. And then for my last set, last week I did 260, and uh, I did six, and I put the six in quotes, and I remember. <laughs> Um, that was really rough. Like calling those reps would be kind of generous. I definitely bit off a little bit more than I can chew. So instead of 260, this week I did 250 and I got six reps and they were good, solid reps. It made a difference. So that was productive. I did a low machine row. So just, um, tracking how much weight I put on each side of the thing. Last week, it was uh, basically two plates, three plates, and four plates per side each set, um, shooting for 12, 10, and eight reps. So three sets, again, descending um, rep targets means ascending weight. Um, but again, 90, 135, and 180, which means I ended up having you know double the weight for eight reps that I hit for 12. This was a machine that I don't use very often, so I didn't have a very strong baseline of performance established for it. So I was definitely kind of feeling it out. So this week I felt a little bit more comfortable. And so I started with three plates at 12 reps. So an extra plate per side over what I opened with last week. Um, and then I did four plates for 10 reps, which is what I hit on my last set last week. And then I threw another 25. So it was plus 205 that I hit for eight reps. That felt pretty darn good. I felt really productive with that. And then uh, did some assisted pull-ups. And on that one, that's basically just a pump exercise. I set the assistance to 90 pounds. I'm just cranking out somewhere between 15 and 20 reps for three sets. Um, I, I, that, that's really the sweet spot for me. Next week, I might try 80. Um, but that, I measure that a little bit differently. And then I did a kneeling um, one-arm cable pull-down. Um, and again, new move last week. So I started with 70 pounds and then like 80, 110, 120. So accelerating pre pretty quickly. Um, Again, with uh, descending reps, so 12, 10, 8. Then the final set is hitting 12 again, but with both arms together instead of just a single arm exercise. Um, so whereas I topped out at 120 last week, I started at 110 this week, then 130, 140, and then 140 again for the final set. So just a little bit of a, an example on what that progression looks like. So there's going to be a further conversation at some point about stupid shit coaches say and the ways in which they try to motivate people that just don't make much sense. Um, I've got a note on that, and I would love to hear your stories on that because I know as listeners, you have them. Um, so share with me your demotivational coaching stories. What has a coach said to you or uh, you know, a, a friend has relayed to you that they've gotten um, some feedback from their coach that really had the opposite effect? Instead of like making them realize that they can do something and push harder, just kind of made them quit, you know, or, or something just really dumb where it's like, what is the psychology here? I'd love to hear some stories from you. Um, that'd be a great thing to call in with, 865-518-2974. Drop me an email through the website, thedropset.com. Click on contact or hit me up through social media, um, Instagram at Darren underscore star. You can tweet me directly at Darren star, facebook.com slash five star physique. So um, let's talk. Um, this is from David. Uh, from Instagram. So I appreciate this. Um, 
he says, and I will quote from him and try to interject minimal commentary throughout, um, quote, I'm listening to your latest podcast and I'm obsessed with your concept of eating food is okay regardless of the phase you're in, whether cut or bulking, as long as you work hard. I'm coming off a couple bad injuries last year, made some goals, decided to track them using a Fitbit in terms of muscle building and fat loss. Now that the rehab is complete, would you recommend tracking them this way or which is your way of, of tracking if the work is hard enough? Basically, that is a really good question because it's one of those ambiguous things that you can't really just score on a rubric somewhere. Um, you know, you know the the whole question of are you working hard enough? So I would say, you know, it kind of goes back to the whole to the whole logging thing. You know, I mean, you all say that we're working hard in the gym, and I would say, you know, I've been working hard for twenty years, but the past few months have been harder than anything I've done before. Um, and it's not through creative programming or anything like that. It's through forcing progressive overload with a logbook and really just hammering some shit out and forcing your body to do it. It's not going to want to, and you're going to be scared of it. You're going to be like, oh, God, I don't want to do this set. And then you just got to hunker down and do it. And I would say the best way that I could describe it is if you don't feel that way, you're not working hard enough. So, And by, by that, I mean you know, not working hard enough means you're not working maximally hard, and you should be. You can't sustain that all the time, but you can sustain it for longer than you probably think you can. Um, so uh, track your workouts. And aim to improve your performance. And if the targets that you set don't kind of scare you a little bit the next time out, uh, you got to step up your game until they do. And then once they get there, you've got to keep it there. And you've got to continue to kind of scare yourself. Adjust your programming every four to eight weeks. Um, and just get into the mode of you know not, not having to feel you know continuously stimulated by creative and new stuff in the gym, but just focusing on improving your performance and execution. Um, don't get overly cutesy with it. Stick with the basics. Don't change it up all the time. Walk in with a plan, that kind of thing. Um, Dave continues, and this is a great one. He says, quote, also, I see a lot of high-profile bodybuilders advertising meal plans and workout plans online for online coaching. My assumption is that if they are well-known people, is it realistic that they will be able to give you the one-on-one -on -one time needed to get the results you are seeking? I mean, you have mentioned in the past that you keep your clients to a number you can manage. Are these ads advertising on behalf of the well-known trainer? For example, Kai Green, Jeremy Buendia, etc. So, yeah, so think about this. And the way that I would... Um, think about it is, you know, look at what they're posting on social media. Um, and a lot of these high profile guys, I, I'll say this, Kai Green, you think he does any one-on-one -on -one coaching? He is all about media appearances, bookings, etc. He has not taken the time to sit down and respond to emails on diets. I don't know if he offers anything like that. If that was just an example of like the level of stature that we're looking at here, I can guarantee you, you know, you can just look at the stuff that he does on a day-to-day -day basis he, he, that dude is not doing a lot of follow-up programming. And if it is, you're, you're paying like four, five, six hundred bucks a month for him as your coach. I have no idea if he's even a coach or if he'd be qualified for it. Same thing with Wendia. You know, he is a, uh, he's a, um, a bodybuilding celebrity, basically. So to pay for their time, you're not getting it for one, two, three hundred bucks a month. You're, you're just not. So, um, there's also all these challenge groups, um, where, you know, this, this, you know, Instagram famous trainer will open up a challenge group and they'll have enrollment or whatever. And then, um, the, the idea is, you know, you get your, your customized diet. And I think, you know, usually they're careful to say customized and not personalized, meaning, you know, based on the stats that you spit out, like I am a female, I'm five foot six, I'm 140 pounds. Um, there is a diet for you that 
you know, is either a set of macros that are just spit out directly from a calculator, um, or and if if I was going to do this, here's what I would do. Because for something like that, I would say, you know, it, it's it's customized nutrition plan, which is vague because customized means you know it's not general, but it's also not personalized. Nutrition plan also does not imply that I'm giving you a meal plan. It means I'm giving you some guidelines, like macro numbers, and then some examples on how to hit those numbers. And I tell you what, if I were to do something like that, and I got a couple hundred people in on a challenge group, you would get some generic ass shit. Now, it would be really well put together, and I'd put a lot of thought into it, but I do all that thought on the back end before I launch the program. Um, so then once people come in, I've got maybe an email to send off and then I'd have an online support group where you can ask questions of other people that are in the challenge at the same time. And you interact and I'll chime in every now and then on that group periodically. Like, you know, um, if there's a special day of the week, like people submit their check-ins on Saturday or something like that, then on Saturday I might make time to, you know, be responsive in the group or something like that. But, um, you know, those things are designed conceptually to be low maintenance for the person running them. So um, what I would do is I would have you fill out a questionnaire. And okay, let, let me put myself in the mind of some Instagram famous trainer who is doing something like this. So I want you to feel like you're really getting your money's worth. And basically, what I'm trying to do is hoodwink you here. So, um, you know, you are getting something that is customized. You're not getting something that is personalized. Um, you are getting... All, all of the guidance and all of the expertise that I promise in like PDF form. And uh, <laughs> just think of how many other people are in this group. Is, is, it, is it 10 people? Is it 100 people? Is it 200 people? The more people that are in there, um, the lower the chance is that you'll get any kind of response if you shoot off an email. And if you do, it's going to be like a one to three word answer and that's it. Are you really learning much from that? No, but then again, those challenges are typically cheaper to enter um, than it would be to purchase actual coaching where you have somebody who is willing to coach you and talk you through stuff and teach you things and write something that is specifically for you. Um, and make adjustments to that plan as you go through it and work through exercise substitutions and things like that. So um, that's what I do. But for the challenge groups, if I was going to run something like that, I would ask a whole bunch of questions that makes it seem like you're getting some really in-depth personalized stuff when really what I'm looking for is this, gender, height. That's what I care about because based on that, I can build macros around that. Um, I, I know the, the general population that's going to be signing up for a challenge like that. I'm not getting experienced competitive bodybuilders um, because they're looking for something a little bit more specific than that. I'm getting, for, getting people who are looking to drop a handful of pounds, general body transformation, general fitness, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But I know for that kind of population, I can come up with a set of macros that would be really good for you know, a lot of people generally in that. And then I throw that out your way. And I say, now, here is an example plan that's built around these macronutrients. Here are some ways that you can make substitutions. And basically, just try to bulletproof the thing so that you can write your diet for yourself or make substitutions based off the diet that I gave you um, and not have to email me about it. So the whole thing for me is get as many people signed up as possible so I can be raking in the bucks and go take a vacation on an island somewhere while getting as few emails as possible. So I'm trying to make it bulletproof, simplify the thing, give you some tools so that you can... Um, not not ask questions of me, but answer them yourself. Um, and then I'm going to uh, uh, I'm going to also be um, really really 
very general in my exercise programming if I'm smart. And this is one thing that I've learned is, you know, you program in things like, you know, do four sets of 10 on a hack squat. 60% of people are going to come back and say, I don't have a hack squat. What should I substitute in here? You know what that teaches me? Hey, dumbass, stop programming hack squats because most people don't have one in their gym. It's sad, but it's true. I can tell you, work with people all over the country. Most gyms do not have a hack squat. There you go. Most gyms do not have a T-bar row. A lot of gyms don't have a lion leg curl. I've talked about this before. Um, we are raising a, a generation of awful gym managers who just don't know how to purchase equipment. So um, that's what I'm thinking, though, when I'm writing a challenge like this. So um, what, what are the expectations as far as, um, as far as, oh, what kind of individual response you should be able to expect with something like this, it depends. And what you can do is look at the number of followers that the person has. So if you look at somebody and they've got you know, 200,000 followers on Instagram, um, they're going to get enough traction from this new challenge. And also, when they announce it, look at how many likes that photo gets. Look at how many comments are on there. That's going to give you an indication as to what kind of response they're getting from that and what kind of a load they're going to expect as far as how many people sign up for it. Um, so if I did something like that, um, you know, I have uh, 6,500-ish followers on Instagram at the moment. It'd be funny to come back and listen to this in a year and see if that number's changed. <laughs> um, 6,500. If I posted something like that, I think if I was lucky, I'd probably get about 10 people who were interested. And at that point, 10 people, yeah. I mean, you know, here's the thing. I've already got a pretty full client load, so I'm not looking for 10 more people that are all going to be starting up at the same time and all having a bunch of questions. So that program would have to be seriously bulletproof. And there would also have to be some expectations like, hey, if you've got questions, your day to send questions is Friday or something like that, just because uh, I can't be inundated with them throughout the week, um, just because I've got other clients to worry about. Um, so it depends on their business model. You know, are they doing online coaching one-on-one? -on -one? Are they successful with it? Do they have a proper client load? So these are things that are kind of unknowable before you sign up for something like that. I would say generally the whole concept of something like a challenge for the trainer is maximum client signups with minimum involvement. So you are getting things that are provided that are built off of a template, um, which there's nothing inherently wrong about a template. I use templates as well because um, all of my uh, all of my programming is uh, built around spreadsheets, and so I use a base spreadsheet template just for formatting, so that all the colors are the same, the fields are in the right spot. But then all of the data gets plugged in based on you know I, I write the diet, and that's different. But the format, like yeah, I start with a blank template for every new plan. Or actually, I, I, what I do here's some behind the scenes. Notes. Follow so Darren on Instagram up, at Darren um, underscore Star to see client. Profiles, their, you know, updated workout plans, and tips and tricks uh, on training and nutrition. Schedule. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a plan from somebody else. So rather than starting with a blank one, I'm going to start with some, something that's already been built that has a similar schedule because rearranging meals like a pre and post workout, it's a pain in the butt in Excel. I mean, I can do it, but I can save myself several minutes if I'm like, oh, great. They lift out, they lift in the morning, so their first meal is pre-workout. Great. So this one is, is constructed similarly. So let me just copy that. Now here's the shell of it. Now I can go and change all the particulars inside it. So yeah, it's template driven. It is. And if you're not using templates to build meal plans, quite frankly, you're an idiot. That's the only way to do it. But that doesn't mean you're just copy and pasting the whole Con, uh, the, the entire content of the whole thing, um, which is dumb and impractical and doesn't work and is lazy. Um, 
So there's a, there's a right and a wrong way to do it. But, you know, for a challenge like this, yeah, I mean, you're sending the same diet to many, many, many people with no changes. And then you're but you're building in a little bit of flexibility so that they know how they can adjust it, hopefully. Um, so anyway, that, that's that's my thought on that. I am very, as you know, you, you've listened to me long enough that you know that a lot of these industry trends I am very cynical of. Uh, a lot of supplement stuff, you know, sponsorships, you know, uh, affiliate marketers and um, challenges. We can add to that group as well, big time. Uh, not not a big fan. I'm, I always work with uh, with a, a couple clients here and there um, who want to uh, do some challenges like this. And uh, you know, part of it's just you know additional accountability. They're like, oh, this looks fun. I'd like to do this. Okay, cool. That's fine. You know, it's all right. It's good. Um, but just have realistic expectations. You know, these challenges are built for lower engagement uh, on the part of the trainer. So, whew, okay, that's it for today. There's more stuff that I want to go over, but I'd like to get some calls from you. Um, so, hey, give me a call. Let's chat. I promise I won't pick up the phone, though. Just call the line. That you're, we're good to go. Um, I've still got some more stuff. Um, Matt from Facebook, I've still got your stuff hanging out there. I know that. Don't you worry. We will get to it. Um, so I hope everybody has a great weekend. It's uh, currently 4.37 p.m. Eastern time on Friday. I'm about to pack it in. I'm going to post this and then uh, go uh, pour a glass of wine or something like that maybe. I don't know. I haven't thought that far ahead. Um, anyway, hope everyone has a great weekend. I'll catch up with you next week.